Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're going to be looking at the Doctor Who episode, Can You Hear Me? The year is 1380 in the Syrian city of Aleppo, and Tahira, a mentally ill woman who gets her kicks by stealing things, is returning hastily to the hospital she is staying in. She asks Miriam, a hospital worker, if she's prepared for the coming of the things. But uh, she hasn't because they don't believe her. Big mistake. The monsters come and take them away. The doctor returns Yaz for something at a particular date and time. She's close. She only misses by 77 minutes. The gang leave the doctor to spend a single day catching up on their lives. For the doctor, time weighs heavily on her hands until... Unbeknownst to her, a mysterious man in black appears briefly in the TARDIS, followed by a noise coming from 1380 Aleppo, which she decides to check out. She arrives in the empty hospital and waxes poetic to the audience about how enlightened Islamic 14th century mental health care was, as you do. She encounters Tahira, cowering in fear, and one of the monsters, hereafter referred to as Chagaska. Actually, I'm kidding. I'm not going to mention them again which runs away when Tahira tells it to leave the doctor alone. There are not many clues to be found, but luckily every last member of the gang calls at this exact moment. They've all been reconnecting with their disinteresting lives, and something weird has happened. Ryan's friend has been having bad dreams, and now is seeing the mysterious man in black from his dreams in his room. Yaz had a dream and saw the same man in black in her parents' flat. And Graham had a telepathic call for help from a woman trapped in an orb projected into his brain. The, the uh, telepathic call, not the, not the orb. All together in the TARDIS, along with Tahira, they plug Graham into the telepathic circuits. And off they go to an orbiting space platform, which is monitoring what appears to be the collision of two planets, somehow suspended at the last moment by the very orb Graham saw in his psychic episode. It's a prison! Never one to miss the opportunity to rescue someone locked up in a prison without doing any research, the doctor sets about using the TARDIS to free the woman inside. The man in black now captures Tahira and the gang and sets them to dreaming their nightmares. He confronts the doctors, explaining that he is Zelen, and he is one of the immortals, and that playing with the nightmares of humans passes the time for him. She's got him thwarted, though. She's released the prisoner he was holding in the orb because she's clever. Except the doctor has forgotten, occasionally, prisons are actually to incarcerate naughty people. In this case, the naughty one is Zelen's partner in crime, another immortal. Between them, they caused untold suffering to the people of the two worlds until they rose up and imprisoned the worst of the two immortals in the orb. Oops, the doctor has been played for a fool. Zelen needed someone clever enough to unlock the prison so that his partner could escape. The doctor is captured and placed with the others, while the immortals go to Earth and cause tasty nightmares. 
But the Doctor soon escapes and, with very little effort, imprisons both the Immortals back into the orb. Oh, and Ryan convinces his friend to get mental health, Yaz remembers the time she needed mental help, and Graham opens up to the Doctor about his fear of cancer returning. It is a heartfelt plea for connection and help, which the Doctor bungles spectacularly. Our heroes leave to destroy Big Finish's story, The Company of Friends. The end. All right. Uh, gosh, how am I going to phrase this? Um, I have it written down here. You know, what the heck, people? I'm just going to I'm just going to get out the bleep machine and I'm going to read my sentence as as spoken when the episode ended. For sake, Chibbers, do you own any tools except a hammer? Uh, you can fill in the bleep, folks, for what you think I said at that point. So what did you think of Can You Hear Me, Simon? Well, I was very impressed with it. Okay. And although, although I, there are points at which I might have some sympathy with your criticism, I think on the whole, I thought it was quite sensitively done and, and quite impressive. Okay. I will say this. The episode played better the second time which is rare this year um because some of the things that were just sort of there did in fact make sense in context after you had the whole thing replayed so i i, I will give them that that unlike many other stories where when you watch it again the stuff that happened earlier seems to bear no connection to the stuff at the end. This one was a little bit better. Uh, things, for example, um, well, I'm skipping ahead of my notes, but uh, uh, Tebow's uh, problems. You could be forgiven when watching it for thinking that his problems were caused by the fact that he's having weird nightmares mm -hmm. as the episode goes through. But, and then when he gets to the end and... It's all solved, and suddenly his house is spick and span again because everything's fine. We've solved the problem of the nightmares. They're gone. The guy in black was causing it. It's no big deal. He's cleaned up the house. Everything's good. It's like everything's set back in order, and then suddenly Ryan goes, but, you know, you got to go get help. It's like, why does he need to go get help now? It seems like you solved the problem. You watch it the second time through. It's more obvious that he was having problems before the nightmare, but it's not. It's not quite clear because you just don't know what the heck's going. You don't know who this guy is. You don't know, you know, you know nothing about him when Ryan shows up at the door. Yeah. Other than he's, I don't even, I didn't, wasn't even sure if he was a friend or a family or, or you know, at a distance. I thought it was his dad. I before you get a close up <laughs> shot on him he's at, when he's at the door, right? And he's knocking, and a face pops out, and you're like, does he go see his dad? That seems strange, but okay. Oh no, no, it's somebody else. We don't know. So because we have no backstory and you're just plunked right into it, it it it's hard to pick up any context on the on the guy until you come to the end and then come back. And and the same is true with Yaz's situation. Her nightmares don't make any sense until you finally figure out what it's all about and then mm -hmm. then his night her nightmares do actually make sense. So I'll give him that. Um so I I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't hate it. I do, I do feel like it's just so, you know, where's, they've got a checklist in the office, like uh, global warming, check, 
plastic pollution check mental health problems you know uh i i don't know what next week's is gonna be but i feel like there's gonna be a checkbox that we're gonna mark off and well it's gonna be the... about something i really don't have a problem with that i i i've been i've been but critical of the way they handled that? global warming yeah oh god yes and and does it the the one thing i will ask though does this the is this one bringing home the theme that is running through this entire season which is are the real monsters us because that's pretty much what it's been consistently throughout this season i'm not sure we are the problem sure that's been the theme really so i mean we created the plastic we we global warmed um we're you know we're our own worst enemy with a with a creature tesla was yes capitalism uh the the (sighs) edison's mentality against visionary people and the sure absolutely human nature is the problem in this story the monsters are secondary we are the monsters has been has been pretty consistently i'm not sure about the spy episode because it actually had alien no yeah spy problem we're our own worst problem because we create allow the social media to steal all our privacy and people are there to do it yeah no it's it's yeah it's it's us as a society we're bad we're we're humans we're we're awful i i don't see that mm. and i'm just wondering if that's going to prove true for gallifrey as well well gallifrey gallifreyans are the monsters as well oh i thought you meant would fit. The, the destruction of gallifrey was because humans are terrible which I uh, guess no it'll it be, be gallifreyans are a substitute for humans yeah they're, they're just a metaphor for us well that's a bit inconsistent Petty of issues, but but I, 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 I've got to say, I think, I think in some of those cases, you're having to stretch for that. I can see that. I can see with the the two environmentally themed ones, the theme is humans are the problem. I kind of think that's because humans are the problem, and you couldn't really do those stories without acknowledging that. In the other cases, I'm not sure that. I mean, Tesla is not. It's not like the overriding thing is humans are awful because tesla's a human and yeah capitalism may be bad but that's not the same as saying um that all humans are terrible or that yeah but that's true in the in the global warming and it's true in the in the plastic one not all humans are doing that but the society that we live in the society that we've created values things that cause these problems rather well, that's than not, that's that's and, not and that is tesla's problem too token. edison it's represents more, what than the world is like and tesla represents what the world no, he could doesn't. be i think no i think i think i think edison i think Ed, edison represents something much more specific and the the environmental problems are much more universal well in 1901 but anyway so then I'll ask this question. If in an episode that clearly is an excuse to talk about mental health, is it a mixed message that the immortals were initially vanquished by two planets committing suicide? I don't think they, well, mm, do, uh, thought about yeah. it is what the answer is. I don't think they thought about that, but <laughs> no, 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 those, I, mean, I don't mean, I don't. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a reason. I now the, I know you the, could argue that the planets might have been empty, right? I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that no, argument. No, no, they Although the doctor they did specifically said it's an extinction event. Yes, 
Yes. No, I th- no, I think I think you make a good a good point that that is really what the story was. I hadn't thought about it in that way, partly because they were yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that I don't know why that had passed me by. I probably need to watch watch this one for a third time. Why is it a mixed message? I don't think it is a mixed message. That uh that their problem was basically solved by suicide. That's a mixed message. I, I, I feel that that's solved. not the correct Well, it was because it didn't maybe imperfectly, but the doctor finished the job and put the got two of them in instead of the one. But it's still their prison. It's still their sacrifice. It's still their death that created the prison but that, that enabled that, that to didn't be put out of the way. Prob- that didn't solve their problem. Well, in a way it did because they're gone. But, I mean, that's... But that is, that's just, that's the choice, isn't it? I mean, it's just, that's laying out the facts. Hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't present that solution solution if you can call it a solution doesn't present that course of action as being one that is a good solution i don't know i'm i i'm i'm asking the question i i have don't have an answer to it i just made note of it that it's interesting because i would i didn't i didn't think about it because it's a it's it's a planet-wide issue the two the two planets i mean that must be that must be a load of people acting like be, yeah. co- collectively, and and that's why I didn't make the connection. But now, now I've made the connection. I see your point, and I think, I think that is the message that I think that's coming there, there across. Is a, there is an interesting uh, glimmer of an idea that, generally speaking, I would make the argument that killing yourself is probably a bad idea. But on the other hand, I believe you know, in euthanasia, which is, or self-euthanasia, I should say, under certain circumstances. Uh, So, you know, I can't say it's universally bad. Television, Doctor Who has had a very long history of people who are willing to go out and die to Mm. save the day. It's heroic. (laughs) It's like, but it... uh, it's difficult. I mean, obviously in television, that's not reality. And most people don't go out, don't get the opportunity to go off and die heroically, saving the universe. So, hmm. and that is what these people have done. This is a heroic, a heroic death. But still, yes. I'm so thinking it's, it's in... just not the right story to tell that, that sacrifice in. I, I think it would have been easier if they had just found another way for that race to have imprisoned the immortals and and gone on their way but yeah how how does the how well does it work for you when the doctor is on her own in this episode a couple of times i feel like she demonstrates how useless the companions are to her in it because she just yes heck she can just talk so it doesn't matter if anybody's listening or paying any attention or doing anything she 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 does almost treat them like pets at times i think that's Um, been a particular problem through this season and by by and large they've they've not been they've not been written with anything to do and the story's not really been about them um this is maybe well certainly in yaz's case this is a difference in this episode but it bugs me a little bit that the doctor doesn't seem to i don't i don't want a 
I don't want a TARDIS full of John Nathan Turner style squabbling companions who just irritate right. the Doctor to hell all of the time. But on the other hand, it would be good if they had some kind of impact on her equilibrium. If it was, and that 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 could be that they push her out of her comfort zone. It should be that they push her out of her comfort zone. It shouldn't just be that they are there as a sounding board that is, you know, essentially replaceable with literally a sounding board. I mean, I think you're right. She doesn't She doesn't seem to need them there. She doesn't seem to need them there. And I think, and, and I'm not going to go with one of my favorite companions necessarily, but certainly a very functional companion was Donna Noble because she performed the function of altering the doctor's behavior. Yes, which was why I loved her because because they wrote her in at they wrote her in at a time where the way that the doctor was being written was actually getting quite heavily on my nerves in some respects. So the 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 doctor's kind of his arrogance, his his god complex, his righteous his self-righteousness and and his self-pity, all of that was kind of punctured by Donna's, you know, straight talking, calling it how she sees it attitude towards mm-hmm. him. And and she because he'd had a number of companions who were in awe of him slash in love with him, that had that had just kind of fed this this growing complex that he had. Donna had none of that, so she could cut through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to feel like that's what we need. Somebody that course correct the doctor yes it's not just it's not just the fact that that jodie whisker's doctor is starting to get she's she it, it, like you say the way she treats the companions is very as if they're as if they're dis- dispensable essentially and she's not you know she's not really been terribly respectful of them in the sense of it took her a while to be honest with them about why she was feeling mardy and so forth and so i in a way it's almost like if if you're going to have dispensable companions we'll just have just have the doctor on her own in that case i mean you could pick you could pick up she wouldn't talk less story she wouldn't talk less and in and in fact you know just watching five minutes of a capaldi episode i was thinking how effective it is when he shuts up i mean not that he talked a lot it's it's more the contrast between the two performances of the doctor he he's much more reticent and that can be quite interesting the other thing that is really really starting to bug me about jodie whittaker's doctor is she's and you know it's i think it's come through from the way russell t davis wrote tenant's doctor but it's this unbearable smugness i'm just that little bit smarter than you thought i was and her her performance of it is just like nails on a blackboard it's really 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 irritating i can tell that they're they're setting up for a fall but that that's not going to be particularly satisfying because it's it it feels like there is a it's not based on anything it's it's not based on anything because in this episode for example she has been outplayed so Mm -hmm. all she is doing 
effect okay she gets she ends up with two eternals trapped rather than one but all she is doing is writing the thing that she screwed up show a bit of humility for goodness sake yep yeah and and yeah it's and her 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 prattle you know when the eternal is confronting her and she's he's rambling on about was it tap dancing this time i don't remember yeah, now yeah yeah uh it's like uh, whoever writes that dialogue is not good and i'm wondering if that's chibnall contributing to the way the doctor i don't rambles. i don't know obviously i don't know who wrote the particular line i don't necessarily have a problem i mean i quite like the line i don't necessarily have the problem with lines like that per se it's how they're used and it's how they fit in the bigger picture and it, if it's a line in the context of the doctor is genuinely frightened and is playing against that and you know it is this kind of fake bravado then okay bring it on i'm i'm there for that but i don't get the sense that that is how this is being written and i certainly don't think that's how they're playing it when it comes to the performance and therefore when you know when the fall comes it's not going to be it's not going to be that the doctor is loses something that she has been working at it's going to be just that she gets her comeuppance for being too big for her boots i guess and <laughs> I, I i'm not so into that as a storyline yeah so a couple of things with regards to the the way she treats the companions and and maybe it's just bad direction or maybe it's that terrible tardis set i don't know but call to friends i'll come get you next shot tahira's in the tardis the, the the gang are all sitting along on the stadium bleachers over to the side or out in the audience or whatever it is. And presumably the doctor had to pick them all up one at a time because they were all in different places, right? Well, they were all in Sheffield. And at no point did would... she introduce them until they all got in, they all came in, had a seat, and they're standing around for them. The doctor go, oh, Tahira, this is Graham, Ryan, and yes, yes, it's, it's here. Like, what? Wouldn't you have opened the door? Yes, hey, this is Tahira. Yeah, yeah, Graham, Ryan, here, here you go. This is Tahira. Oh, Graham, uh, Ryan, whichever one it was next. Yes, you know, introduce them as they come in. But no, they have this really weird staging, as if she just ignored them, picked them up, had them come in, all sit around, and, and now that I've gathered you all here together, I shall conduct formal inter, uh, introductions. It 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 felt kludgy and and badly managed. I don't know if that's just staging or because of the way the set is that it made sense or what. But I I, I don't like it. I don't like them all sitting around like that. It's been a thing of the last two or three or four episodes. It just doesn't. It, it's just a bring back the unknown doctor's TARDIS. Um, and the other thing, specifically with regards to the doctor's interaction with the companions, that scene at the end with Graham was, I don't know what it was meant to be, but it was disgusting. It was horrific. They were making light of that I, I mean, I don't know what the point of Graham going to the doctor and saying, by the way, dog, I'm, you know, I'm having some fears of things like, is that supposed to represent talking to a friend? You know, if you're not going to get professional help, then go talk to a friend. And then the doctor fails him miserably. 
in that. There is no connection between the two. There is no, there is no empathy. There is no, uh, you know, oh, well, Graham, I can just hop you to the 24th century to a hospital. We could check you out and give you the anti-cancer drugs and you'll never have it come back. There's nothing. There, there's, there's absolutely nothing. It's just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm awkward. So I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about I, this. I, I, so I, th- oh, I think I, I understand it. the point of the scene. I'm not, I didn't think, so there's, a, by and large, I think this, I think this, there, there are so many things in this episode that I really, really liked that these are, to me, kind of minor things, but at the same time, it's interesting that the choices were made like this because I because I look at it and I think, well, you could have made quite different choices and I'm not quite sure why you did. The edit that you just picked up, I, you know, I thought, I'm generally a fan of edits that keep the pace going or whatever, but I did think that one was kludgy and I also think there's too much in this episode and it might have been better with a bit less and a bit more room to breathe, especially since there's so much good stuff in there to enjoy. The scene with the Graham and with Graham and the Doctor at the end, that comes straight after what to me was the culmination of the episode. I mean, it was just so movingly performed, and we can come back to all of that. But uh, yeah, I like want to save Yaz's story for the last. Right? Okay, because sure. The this, good part of the story. Absolutely. This 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 scene after it was in the wrong place, and so that made it a lot worse. I think it's an. I think it's an interesting scene and i think what they're going for is that the doctor herself has social anxiety but i think i think you're right in the sense that the way the way that is realized is is problematic and is not entirely consistent and you know the thing that so someone someone discussing this online posted um posted a clip and obviously Doctor Who has done mental health before and this was a clip from Vincent and the Doctor and it's the scene in the gallery at the end when the Doctor is comforting Amy and you can't imagine Matt Smith reacting to Graham in the way that Jodie Whittaker reacts to Graham there. Fair enough. And so I feel that they could have expressed the Doctor's social awkwardness which has often been there certainly you know in the last couple of incarnations and still at the end of it had had to give graham a hug i mean that would have been enough for me to it's like you can you can you can express the social awkwardness and you can still overcome it within a scene even that short yeah i i I just i couldn't tell if it was supposed to be comic relief even so um yeah, I I would have well, ended. I, well, I, I was saying I would defense. have ended what? this episode with Yaz walking into the police officer's home. Yeah, yeah. So we're done. I. Roll end credits. Maybe even without without music or. No, I wouldn't have gone that far. We're not making the same mistakes Earthshot made. Yeah, but then they could have put a, a you know suicide prevention line number up or something, or mental health line, which I'm surprised they didn't, or maybe they did. No, I, they uh, didn't, but. But on the but on the other hand, I think because you have socialized care, so people can actually go get mental health uh, care in your country. Yeah. But uh, that's another um, story. Why they didn't? Let, I will come back come back to that when we talk about Yaz because I I, okay. I think I think I think the reasons for that are intertwined with the way that they they 
represent you know some of the some of the issues in this in this um but but picking up on that on that question of the ordering of the episode i saw an- another suggestion online which i thought was uh, entirely on point which was that the cold open and oh yes thank you cold opens are back i thought mm. when we got one for spyfall that that was going to be a thing this season and i love a cold open so i was celebrating and it was pretty rubbish for spyfall the cold open to this should have been the there are no bogeymen scene and you, you know f- from the you know she's wrong hands uh, fingers fly off his hands boom bang into the yep. in, into the opening credits because that would have been proper scary the the aleppo stuff was trying to to give you a scare with the you have CGI monsters and all the rest of it. But here's my thing about the Aleppo stuff. Why were we in Aleppo? Why, no why did we go to Syria at all? This episode, it doesn't need, doesn't need Syria in it. I'm all for going to, if we're going to be stuck on earth all the time, and apparently <laughs> that's it we from are. now on, we never go anywhere else unless it's a brief foray onto a platform in deep space. If we're going to be stuck on Earth from now on, I would very much like to continue to visit some other locations. But we don't have to... If we're doing Aleppo, let's do Aleppo. I mean, do if Aleppo. this... Like I say, this is a two-part... St- if this was a two-part story and, and we had room for all of this extra story, I'm fine, OK, we could have part one in Syria. But instead, what we actually had was a, a bit of unnecessary time travel as well as a bit of minor <laughs> space travel... <laughs> It, which clearly there wasn't any money in the budget for because goodness, I mean, you've got C, CGI Aleppo and then what an awful set inside that asylum. I mean, goodness me, it's, that looks. It's cheap. not an asylum, so let's let's be clear there. So, um, but but yeah, I I have here. Why? What was the whole point of Tahira? Well, why is it 14th century Syria? Why? We, I, I don't. I, I, I think. I think it is because they wanted to. They wanted to include the fact, and maybe this came through, you know, drafts of the script where this was some central theme of the story. But it, they wanted to include the fact that mm. the Syrians got mental health or whatever, which is okay. fine. It's a nice idea. Sort of just true, so, but not. But it's yeah. so detached. See that I I I agree that that feels like somebody. And I've had this, I've said this many times this season. Somebody sat around with an idea. So did you know that they had mental health wards inside hospitals in Syria going all the way back into the 12th century? Really? Well, we should definitely write that in somehow. And it... You want to build a story around that? I'm interested. It's... If they had built a story around it, but it isn't. It's a throwaway. No, that's my criticism. And... And um, and the other part that bugs me about that is when she comes out, she says, oh, this is a mis- by Maristan. Did you know that the, uh, the ancient Syrians were very uh, progressive in their mental health care or whatever it was she said? That may be true. They did actually consider that there was such a thing as mental health care, although uh, from what I'm able to tell, yeah, some of that's still involved. It's probably demon possession. And... Um, but a Bemaristan is not a mental health institute. It is a hospital and it will be broken up into like six 
six or seven different wards in the same hospital. It's mental disease, contagious diseases, non-contagious diseases, surgery, medicine, and eye diseases. So the doctor plopping into the room and seeing the word bimeristan and then launching into mental health care, she could be in the, the contagious disease ward for all she knows. <laughs> You know, they had some really good uh, practices for uh, maintaining uh, non-contagious uh, activities in the hospital. I said, but no, they don't. She launches into mental health care suddenly and, and because that was what the writer wanted to to make sure that you, you looked up on the British, the Journal of Royal British Medicine, which I was actually looking uh, at a couple of articles on to see if this was really true, if they really truly were enlightened. And yes, they did put out the canon of medicine in the 12th century, and it was used up through the 18th century, even in Europe, uh, as the go-to book on medical care. But it, that was general medicine. They were more advanced than us, us as in Europeans, um, Northern Europeans. I don't want to break that down, but I don't know. It, it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have pulled out of this that mental care was their forte no and i think and... i think i think the issue with that with the with the way that is played is also the the where your your hammer comment actually i will i will accept you know that there is one small aspect of this episode where that is true it it it's signaling what the what they think the theme of this episode is i know i think i think it is the theme of this episode i don't i'm not arguing that they're wrong but at the same time, this is a this is a, a sequel to Enlightenment, which is fantastic because obviously I love Enlightenment. And is it, or is it a sequel to the Celestial Toymaker? Uh, well, I think it's it's a sequel to the it's a sequel to Enlightenment, which may be a sequel to the Celestial Toymaker, according to the New Adventures, which this is acknowledging the connection. Um, mm. I yeah I I guess we could say it's a sequel to both but it's cuz I thought it, he was very clear that the Eternals and the Guardians and the Toymaker were three separate species of no immortals and that I couldn't tell whether he was supposed to be one or of a different type it's it's in it's interest it actually is interesting that you that you read it that way I did I did sense there was a little bit of ambiguity in it but I read it the opposite way they they are Eternals and so is the toy maker. Hmm. I mean, they are. I read it as they are Eternals. The toy read, maker. Read his line, watch his line again and, and see, because I got the impression he was talking about them. The Eternals have their stuff. The Guardians have their stuff. Yeah. The toy maker would be proud. But he's one uh, of them. He sounded to me like he's one of the toy maker, whatever they are. That that is how I took that out of this. The toy. Well, the toy maker. The toy maker is. The toy maker Something. is an eternal, an immortal of some and, kind, yeah. and an eternal. But that's only from Virgin Adventures, and we already know that yeah, the yeah, Doctor Who but, does not necessarily honor that because they're about to mess up. But it honors loads, friends, of, it, but, loads of the stuff. Loads of the stuff in the new series is 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 hmm. is stuff that was established there. But yeah, he says the Eternals have their games, the Guardians have their power struggles. For me, this dimension is a beautiful board, is a beautiful board for a game. The toy maker would approve. See, I I feel like he's more akin to the toy maker than the other two, but but anyhow, 
Well, um, but we you know, we immortals have our games. Eternity is long, and we are cursed. We to see immortals. It. Yes. So bigger group set immortals subset yes. eternals subset guardian subset toy oh, yes. maker me and them yeah yes but but it, but it, but but they're not necessarily eternals with non- a capital inter- T-E-U's. yeah they're it's not eternal necessarily non-intersecting sets the eternals the we know the eternals and the guardians are different but i think i think he and the toy maker are eternals it probably hmm. doesn't matter all that much it's still it's still no, i think we'll never see him again We'll see, never see who the Eternals. These two. Oh no! I mean, no, no, they're done. This is this is their story. But, but we said that about the Daleks in 1963 too. But you know, but <laughs> well, but, but if you said it about but particular Daleks, then I think that probably would have been perfectly valid. We haven't we haven't seen many Daleks making a return. It's always some other Daleks, just as it will be some other Eternals. What I what I liked in this story was that I liked I liked it working as a story about the Eternals. I liked the fact that into that they wove uh, all all these different stories about our heroes or their friends struggling with their mental health and connected it all together in in what felt to me like a very a very appropriate and relatable way. I. So let let me let me clarify my hammer comment a little bit. Okay. I have absolutely no problem whatsoever. In fact, I quite thought it was very very well done Yaz's piece in this. The fact that they just kept looping back and it's like, "Oh, and the Aleppo is a mental health issue and Ryan's friend is a mental health issue. And by the way, Ryan's also got his fears about the earth being destroyed. And and Graham's got his fears about thing. And yes, that is like a child with a hammer and too many nails and a board. No. We didn't need four nails in this story. We needed one. We needed one good nail in this story. No, because, no I think that misses the And point. they could have they could have dropped a lot of that and and used the Yaz line more. And that would have been a better story as it is no. you feel like the writer is shouting at you in case you missed it in the other plot thread here's one more and here's another and some of them are less interesting than others by far so that is that is that is part of it um it's not as but bad it, as Orphan 55 it's not as bad as as uh uh the plastic one in the terms but it's like it's an overabundance. It's it's overused, and that's my that's my complaint. Except that that isn't what the story is about. What is the story about, by the way? The story the story is the story is about the different ways in which people struggle with mental health issues, and that's why I think there are a number of different examples, and the story is making connections between those and quite effectively i think and there there are there are major and minor stories within that and that is also a key part of it so i i think i mean really really the 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 kind the kinds of the the, graham obviously has his his anxiety Mm -hmm. about his cancer 
Can, can I ask a quick question about the cancer? Yeah. Showed up in Spyfall. That's when we first got him talking to a doctor about, yeah, no, you know, and it was like sort of like a, now nah, you're all clear or something to that effect. Did we get anything last season at all about this? Yes. Did we? Yes. I don't remember it. Okay. How, how do you think he met Grace? I don't know. Rides on the bus? Do you remember what Grace's job was? Nope. <laughs> Dead woman at first episode. Okay. So he'd met her when he had cancer and... What was her and job? I uh, I think she was a nurse, and so he he met her in her professional capacity, and then he Ooh. had gone into remission, and then they carried on seeing each other. Is that explained in an episode? I think I it's completely fell to earth. I completely did not get any of that. I mean, obviously, it might not be the very first episode because we've got a number of other episodes that discuss. Graham's relationship with Grace. Hmm. No, don't remember any of it. Absolutely none of it. Feels, but it feels like they're they're working it for some reason this year. I th I th I think I think here that it is just it's an it's if you're going to explore mental health, it's it's such a you know it's a it's a thing for cancer survivors and and an often unacknowledged thing, and so it is nice to see it recognized in a in a story like this but but you know so so it is to see Tebow's issues and and so it is to see Yaz's I mean I think I think if you had just one it would just be about that particular issue whereas the fact that it is about different mental health issues and and yet the key the, the key I think the key thing this this story is about is it's not just you. It's that line. It's not just you. Hmm. So largely out of the blue, we decide to air them all today. And that, I think, is the where the, the issue... I mean, from a story structure standpoint, I, like I said, I'm, I'll stand with my thing. If you want to draw a parallel, I would rather use Yaz drawing some sort of... Her fears drawing some sort of parallel to the fact that these creatures are exploiting fears. But... And and I would refer back to the Tesla episode for saying that of of the things in it, it's a nice, it's nice that they managed to draw the parallel between Edison and the and the aliens, mm -hmm. because that's a nice strong. I think if they tried to do three more in that episode, it probably would have been uh, less coherent. And and I, but but the but the again the the point is the point is not any one individual in this. It's the commonality between their mental health struggles and the reason that we're getting them all being aired, as you put it, at the same time is because of the Eternals and the way in which they have exploited this. I would have... I, I realise that the that the Immortal is, is doing some exploiting of the Doctor's companions, although... Why Tebow and and not right? In other words, so he's he attacks Yaz and Graham and and Tebow, not Ryan, and that's a little yeah. But he also gets Ryan, the obviously, and that's the other one that makes again makes no sense to this story. Why her? What did she create in her because, mind? The because, scariest monster ever. 
she created <laughs> like, she it... created particularly scary monsters. I mean, that in oh. itself is quite logical, and so is oh, that little actions. boy at the end who was scared of the bogeyman couldn't have done it too, right? I mean, it it just seems like it it's the, the the Aleppo thing doesn't make any sense, and it it undermines the it undermines the notion that it is a strategic strike on the immortals' actions that that he is working specifically working the companions to get at the doctor by randomly picking Aleppo in in 1380 I, I don't well he, that I I I agree from a story point of view it do, it doesn't have to be Aleppo but in in he's story got a, he's he, obviously what, got a lot more fingers than just her friends so a uh, quick question why five fingers run out when he only sticks one in an ear I I don't know, but it's <laughs> okay. It's a it's a uh, nice it's a nice creepy effect. It was a creepy effect. I will I will I will. I, I mean I, I I I I liked the I liked the atmospherics and you know the I thought that Zelen worked particularly well when he was standing in yes. the shadows because he looked really properly sinister and I and I yep. loved that effect and at the same time I loved the crazy Hitchhiker's Guide visuals in this episode as well. I thought it was just. Oh. All, incredibly imaginative so are you talking uh, really the animation oh yeah oh uh, i thought that was particularly poor i didn't think it was bad animation i just thought what a strange way to project a story into someone's mind and i got the hitchhiker's guide uh um uh, milieu vibe to it i i saw that and i thought huh why why would you do that why would you project it that way because it's a story and projected psychically <laughs> well yes so but yeah, not, there's no budget it's a, there it's not it, we don't need to do cheap animation we got budget we get the mind <laughs> that's but but it but it but it's not it's not being told it it's a story that is an epic you can't you can't expect to describe the arc of a story like that by including all of the details within the story. What you want is something that is an outline, and this is outlined animation. This is this is very much that, and it's exactly why they use the technique in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it's very effective there because the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy the, it is a quote unquote book. You are looking exactly, at a screen exactly. display. So this what you're talking is about doctor... is, is telling a story then why not words on a page? Why not realistic well, the animation? The, hit, when it... the Hitchhiker's Guide could have been words on a page. Is but this that's... Zelens or whatever? It's not Zelen. What's her name? The female. I... Began with an R, her but name. I've forgotten it, I'm afraid. Yeah, I I don't... I didn't even think they mentioned it in the episode. It's, I've only seen it in the credits. But um, you know, is this her artistic license? That this is how she chooses to manifest it? It's like, eh, I was feeling artistic today, so I'll do animation. <laughs> when she's pushing it in the doctor's head that that is the let me run ryan out let's get rid of ryan here as quickly as possible <laughs> um we've we've talked about his friend um tebo hebo but more importantly i haven't talked about his, how much when he gets I... his one nightmare which is his actual nightmare which is everything's burning and his friends have all gotten old and he hasn't been around which he then Goes on to yes a little bit about that, uh, and also the uh, creatures from Orphan Fifty Five. It's it's very clear that Ryan is about to leave the TARDIS and join a charitable Earth, 
and start working to save the planet. Um, I don't think that, that I don't think that that dream that you saw was the same as what Ryan is worried about and what he was talking to Yaz about. Really, that was it's the actually, only time we saw his dream, his fear dream. That I'm, was his only nightmare. I thought I thought it was a shared dream. I thought the Tebow we saw in that was the Tebow who who, oh, who was. I didn't think that. Well, either way, it doesn't fit with what he was saying to Yaz at the end because it's the wrong way around. Well, how, how does it not fit? I mean, he said that we're we're going in our friend. We're missing out on our he's, friends' he's lives. Saying, no, he's saying or, he's saying we we change and they don't. He gets older and they don't. The doctor can take you back, and you can be at exactly the point where you left them, so they aren't a day older. But then he turns around and he says that. So the argument is that you know we're we're missing out on their lives. No, no, no. Which I, is what he did to Tebow. We're, we're, well, we're missing out on the shared life. Let's put it that way. The the, you know, the moments in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's definitely that is that is anxiety about his friends running out uh, of missing out on their lives, and and also the planet burning from global warming, which is why the Orphan Fifty Five monsters were shouting at him. I I I'm he's going to go be an eco warrior. I absolutely. It's in the cards. It's got to be. They're they're setting him up for a. They're setting him up for a go. It's like I can't do this anymore, and he won't I, think of the idea of asking the doctor to help him fight. But yeah, I like I like I like the idea if they're doing that of them actually laying the groundwork for it. So you have an explanation of why he leaves. He just I really just hope if you're if you're right, which I, I I you know I'm open minded about. But if that is the way it happens, I. Bloody well want an appearance by Sophie Aldred, please. <laughs> well, okay. The a charitable earth part was was uh, me hoping, hoping well, beyond I mean, hope. Because that they the would season twenty six but... Blu ray trailer was just superb. So we'll I guess we'll have to see on that one. But I think they're setting Ryan up for a Mind if you, it would not... clash with Sophie Aldred's novel, um, which has just come out. I haven't read it yet. Oh, he doesn't have to have a cameo from her, he just can like uh... I've got this business card from this woman who said I should come work for her. And but he's already in, met her. He's met Sophie Aldred. He's met Ace. He has in the in the novel. Oh, in the, oh in oh 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 oh. Uh, well, the novel is not canon, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> they ignore them right and left. They ignore them at their at at their convenience. So no, no big deal. It's literally just been published, and it's gone through. It's gone through Cardiff. So I don't think I don't think Chibnall reads these things. He doesn't read the scripts clearly, um, even though he co-writes them. <laughs> I just want to say, Tebow and the the Tebow Tebow and Ryan's relationship was really nicely done. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain about it in terms of how it was realized because it did come off. Pretty well. They came off as pretty good friends, and I I do ask the question why Ryan didn't check in on him sooner if he was getting lots of messages from him. I know he said his phone's on the blink, but we know that's not true. Well, I think this we know their phones work just fine. I've been complaining about it before, which is which is this whole thing of of why why they go away for a period, why they why they. As Yaz says at the end, the doctor can drop them back as soon as they've left, but they don't. But they never do. But that. they can't. And I don't. Right. I don't understand no, it, why. 
No, they no. The doctors dropped them off within seventy-seven minutes of the time that they requested. Why have they requested a time that is months after they left? That doesn't that doesn't but of course, seem they, particularly logical to me. And if they can get phone calls, you know, how how does that sync up? I mean, well, this that, goes all the way back I, to I Martha and her mom. Well, because, how does that how does that sync up with how long they've been gone? And well, it goes up. You know, it, go, it it connects with the the phone that the doctor gave, wasn't it, Rose? Yeah, um, I know, but it, the, it, it, yeah, it, but the point being is that if Rose is gone for a, a month to Jackie and Jackie calls and talks to Rose and she talks to Rose, does she talk to Rose a month after they departed in the TARDIS to Rose's time or does she call two seconds later or do they come in in the wrong order or yes. uh, uh, it doesn't make any sense. And you know what they did? They fixed that. Chibbers fixed it. He fixed it. This silly bugger he fixed it by using those stinking com dots in in all the way back in the ghost monument and again last week for no mysterious reason because then you, you cut them off from their family you cut them off from their phones you you know phone doesn't work com dot works but the com dots will still have the same problem they will between themselves but they're all in the same oh, kind right. of so shared times but right but not with I, you know I I picked up on this as well because I thought the line "It's not tomorrow lunchtime already," is it? Didn't necessarily make sense without a fuller explanation of how these. I mean, anything that does this, it, it's 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 in the, the that um, that Christopher Bidmead Doctor Who audio where he where the Doctor invents the pocket interrogator, and and so you you have this issue of well if. What does it mean? It's not tomorrow lunchtime. It's tomorrow lunchtime. You can go to tomorrow lunchtime, but right now, um, it's whatever local time it is from wherever you're speaking from. So I thought, well, points off for that. On the other hand, points for the doctor actually saying, I could nip straight to tomorrow lunchtime, which as soon as she closed the door was me thinking, well, what, you know, Surely that's what you should be doing straight away. They want to spend 24 hours in Sheffield. You do not want to spend 24 hours in Sheffield and you have a time machine. Ooh, sideburn Sheffield. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, Ryan could have returned those phone calls. I feel yes. he could have gotten those messages and he could have said, Hey doctor, my friend's in trouble. Can I go visit him? Yes. But he didn't. So no. that, that does. I think uh, uh, Ian uh, is it Ian Gelder? Is that the name? The guy who played the immortal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic job. Really? I thought I thought he was really good as a creepy man. Um, he was the less he, he was talked, really good the better. looking as a creepy. Man. Well, that, well, that's <laughs> that's what that's what I've got because I mean, like I say, I, I'm 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 enjoying the Eternals being back. So his appearance was great. I thought it was somewhat undermined by the very very camp british thespy voice uh, and he was enjoying himself with that yeah um i'm also a little confused as to why he would have a tattoo on his head but uh well i but anyway, yeah. guess he'd have to wear a wig to hide that i don't know so do they can they can they travel can they time travel yes Isn't so if you're an immortal yeah, okay, I was it's sort of rhetorical. Okay. So if you are an immortal being plucking out eternity in boredom, is not time travel really a bad thing to do because it just makes eternity even longer? I think that the point about eternity might be 
that you can't, you can't. I mean, without wanting to get into like Cantor's sets of infinity or anything here, can we just basically agree that eternity is as long as it gets, and therefore it can't be longer? <laughs> but what about eternity minus one year? I mean, bring my my uh, analytic in, geometry in, back into this. <laughs> yeah, in 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 Cantor's terms, that's still that's still the same size as eternity the the <laughs> for me i'm quite happy with the idea that this, they they are in another dimension or whatever however you want to put it in you know in terms of that and and therefore from the point of view of connecting with the themes in this episode this you know the obviously there's an, there's an element and i'm glad they didn't start quoting from king lear and as flies to wanton boys are, are we to the gods they kill us for their sport but i like the vibe that that brought and the and the line they had what what do you think it feels like for them to be such tiny ephemeral flashes of existence which is cut again i like i said it, it just it feels to me very relatable when you are in the throes of anxiety or panic or whatever and you you just you you be, you become overwhelmed by some some of these ideas sometimes Interesting. I didn't get really anything particularly deep out of that other than just that sort of the candle that burns fast, burns bright. I think it's the other way around because in some way in some way they re- they represent they represent these demons in our heads when we suffer from these things and the thoughts that we have when we when we, you know, when we are when our mental health is low. But by and large disposable plot part of the story there tricking the doctor good um didn't get any of the doctors didn't get anything like um doctor having any insecurity about the fact that she'd been tricked or anything like that which probably would have tied better as i think you mentioned earlier um so let's talk about yes Mm -hmm. that is a very nice character piece and it is is very nicely tied to yes's profession because i think you could walk out of that saying you know this is the person that inspired her to be in the police it's a very there's some very nice writing in it um i admit i i was very much taken by a line and it's probably not the best line but it's the one that resonates the most to me is the trouble with the trouble with being old or something to that effect is that you have all that experience and no one listens yeah um or is that so true it's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful, and and also the you know the bit about you know job doesn't pay, but I love it, and it is it, is really that, a, a lovely portrayal of somebody who is a cop who is doing it for the right reasons, who is helping people. I mean, finally there. This is why people. This is why people become in public service, and and the fact that she made a difference to Yaz's life that she saved potentially saved Yaz's life the moment at the end when Yaz shows up and she remembers her it is it 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 really does it resonates uh it, it's it's beautiful i mean it, it really sets it apart in this story yeah i think i mean i think it's a it's a it's a beautiful performance from from well both from Nazreen Hussein and Mandit Gill in that scene at the end I think you're right. That line in particular 
get you know get another job then can't love it too much is why because we already we already know this is why Yaz became a police officer but that that's the line where you it to me that feels like it's a it's an eye opener because she's 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 seeing someone who is in love with the job in a way that she will go on to be in love with the job herself mm-hmm. and considering that we really don't know a whole lot about Yaz's past um it it you know you you can believe that there is a moment in your life where someone like that inspires you to the yes. course of your life and you don't have to have it set up we didn't need to have this foreshadowed in any way it it's like there you go she she is in this because of that and but it kind of is, is i mean we... well we know that she's that she has that love for the job but we we don't know how she got that she may have had it her whole life she may have just always wanted to be in in the police i mean it, you don't need no. to know that there was some exact moment in her life where you could go back and say that's the that's probably the moment that made her go down the path that she's done no we know it comes we know it comes from this time in her life because Do we? yeah 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 because this 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 is this is the year izzy flint turned the whole class against her that's that's why that's that's what's led her to where she is at this point. So I think we're going back into that. And we know the outcome of that was that she she wanted to to go into the police because she wanted to work in child protection. But we didn't necessarily see the, the human personal interaction that we get to see here. And we also, I don't think, have had an indication of where that that year led her to. And also how Sonia's part in that played out yeah Sonia has not been a particularly sympathetic little sister up till this point i have to say that might be the one piece in this that is a little uh, jarring isn't quite the right word but wasn't necessarily expecting that that it was her her intervention that that saved the day in a way no but at the same time the the relationship there is it it's it's very it's it's very nicely done i think and i i i'm i'm definitely really the the whole the whole thing about the whole thing about sonia kind of resenting resenting the fact that you know yaz is spending all her time on the job and then yaz having a go at sonia because she keeps getting fired or whatever but then in this one first first of all you get a different side to that relationship which is this kind of it's awkward because they obviously do have this you know they embrace each other and Sonia says hi loser and and they don't really quite know what to say to each other over this anniversary meal mm. but at the, at the same time when when Sonia is talking about the latest job that she's lost and Yaz is having a go at her and she says well people are really annoying and they hate being told that. I think, oh God, she's brilliant. I love her. Yes, she's not holding down a job, but I can so relate to that sentiment. <laughs> well, I think, I think many people can. Um, <laughs> many people can. Was so. What was what was Yaz doing? Where did well, you see that leading? I, I so I'll be honest, and this is where this is where watching it twice. It, it 
took me that to get what to get what was going on here because I didn't realize this was about suicide and and I thought some about that I thought about why I mean maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention to it the first time around but also why why the choices were made to present the story in the way it was presented and I think I think the answer is that this was just responsible storytelling because it's incredibly ambitious and th- again this is why I I love this episode you know not just for how well it's pulled it off but for its ambition in doing so it, it it's trying to in a in a in a main mainstream family tv drama address issues of mental health and yet at the same time we know from various studies that if you present if you present suicide on television you know whether it's whether it's reporting in the news or whether it is portrayal in fiction that it it can lead to an increase in suicide and also you know it's a kids show so you don't necessarily want to force people into having these conversations when they're not ready to and so what they what they're doing is and they're avoiding all the kind of things that you must avoid when you know in terms of the guidance on how you how you actually discuss and present suicide in the media so never never discuss any of the the hows and uh, all of that kind of thing so they so what they do in this is actually present it in a way where you just don't see what she's doing all you get is it's there in the dialogue and even then it's not explicit enough that you couldn't miss it and i'm proof of that because i watched the whole thing with with thinking it was about yaz running away and then the second time i watched it i clocked oh my god no it's not and then you you know you get the 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 dialogue between her and Nazreen Hussein, and suddenly all of it clicks. Yeah, I mean, I got the... I, I, I Even on the first pass through, I got... What I got, and and this is what made it the tiniest bit awkward, and not in the way that the conversation would be an awkward conversation, but tiniest bit awkward, is that you're seeing one thing and you're hearing another. I mean, it, the way it's staged, the way it's filmed, the way they're out there, what you're seeing is a girl running away from home. What you're hearing is a girl who's going to kill herself. And I, I never took anything from it. Once people started speaking words, it was, oh, this is, this is, I guess she's running away from home to commit suicide because a little extra inconvenience on the way is, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was supposed to take something like that, where, like she's running away from home to give her time to think about whether she's going to commit suicide or I, I, I don't know, but it was definitely, it was, it was there immediately for me. They're talking suicide. They're showing runaway. And I don't know that there's any link between the two ever. I mean, I don't know. Do kids run away before they commit suicide? I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I, I thought they ran away to, you know, then then get into trouble and then, you know, get onto drugs and prostitution and then commit suicide. But I didn't, I didn't. But it's not, but it's the... not like she's run away, actually. It's not that it, it, you can interpret it as her running away, but actually that's not what you're seeing. What you're seeing is that she's not at home. So she's, she's, she's gone away from home, but you don't know where she's going. 
the the dial the dialogue is where yeah where are you going away yeah it's nice there well but actually actually that's that's not the case what she's what she has has done is left the house and a reasonably remote location sonia puts it well she's yes she has gone to but but as as sonia puts it whatever she you know she's worried about what what she will do to her herself see that works the the thing is all that works much better in the dream because a dream is not reality the road can represent you know can be metaphor <laughs> standing between the, the safety and the thing and then one and and because sonia's not so, actually there correct again in the in the night in the nightmare she is not but then when they cut to the final scene which i believe to be an accurate representation of what happened she yeah. is actually on that road out in the middle of nowhere and how the yeah. heck the police found her is amazing but well probably not because it's 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 unlikely to be random because very few things are so that was uh again perhaps slightly odd but but worth it for the payoff worth it for the payoff um i say that i just wish the rest of the episode had been as good of course i don't know that they could have sustained this for 48 minutes so uh you'll have to see all right well simon thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always <laughs> listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol you've been listening to fusion patrol a listener supported podcast Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.